Welcome back to Tolkien with Friends. This week we are diving into Roast Mutton, the second chapter of The Hobbit, and the next 35-ish minutes of Peter Jackson's extended edition of An Unexpected Journey. Today we are so excited to welcome the amazing Anna Maria to the podcast. Anna Maria, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are such big fans of yours. We, I mean, you have so many beautiful takes on Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. You're so smart, so talented. Um, I could go on forever, but if uh, people don't know you, can you let us know where to find you on the internet, first of all, first and foremost. Um, and then I have like some discussion that we can go into. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get our priorities straight. Number one, um, I am at only Anna Maria on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, I can't promise one kind of niche content, but I can promise good vibes. And that's what I'm offering. Good take, <laughs> good vibes. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I am uh, an actor, a writer, a community organizer. And before all those three things, I'm a Tolkien geek and enthusiast of the Tolk lore. Uh, and that's why I'm here today. I'm very excited about it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So make sure, you know, if you got to pause this and go follow her, please do, and then come back. Um, but in our last episode, you know, we touched on like our histories with The Hobbit book and film, you know, just kind of how we, you know, what were we fans of first and like how we approached the movie. So Anna Maria, I'd love if you could give us a little background on your experience with The Hobbit and, you know, Tolkien in general, if it if you want, um, but mostly like how you came to The Hobbit and how you generally feel about the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. Yeah, absolutely. I um, So The Hobbit was my introduction to Tolkien. I was raised by two Tolkien enthusiasts because I, lottery, I won the lottery. Uh, oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it was really lovely. And so I was seven when I read The Hobbit and it was... Um, uh, when I was really little, my parents would read the same book that I would read and we would read aloud to each other. And so one of my earliest memories is getting to the end of The Hobbit, trying to read aloud Thorne's death and I couldn't get through it. And so I had to hand the book to my dad because I was crying so hard. <laughs> that is precious and relatable. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. Cry the same every time. Yeah. Um, yeah and like the the year after that, I, I watched the, the original trilogy. And then the year after that, I read the trilogy. And then the rest is history. Um, I actually wasn't sold on the Hobbit movies when I first watched uh, uh, Unexpected Journey as a teenager, because I was mm -hmm. a teen when they came out, um, until I <laughs> logged onto Tumblr. That was <laughs> <as> the place. <laughs> as I did back in the day um, and very rapidly joined the burgeoning <laughs> Hobbit adaptation fandom that started growing in earnest online. And so actually joining that community gave me a completely different relationship with the movies um, and all the added canon and character traits um, that, that Peter Jackson offered. And so my, I, I am a, an, unapologetic slightly apologetic hobbit apologist <laughs> um in that i i fully agree with every single structural and technical critique leveled at them but i love them very dearly and um they did inform a lot of my relationship with tolkien throughout my adolescence um yeah 
that's perfect. That's perfect. Because, I mean, it's like we like to approach the books and the movies, um, you know, with an open mind and open heart, right? Like, with, Lord, you know, when we did Lord of the Rings, that was one where it was like, I pretty much knew, like, there was a little finagling that I had to do as far as, like, making the chapters match up with the parts of the movie and stuff. But I pretty much knew, like, exactly what point that movie, and, you know, I have them, like, memorized, you know what I mean? And, like, they are so beloved and like watched over and over again but it just makes me think about if the hobbit movies entered your life at a similar time that the lord of the rings entered mine they are probably enmeshed in your brain in a similar way and so um i just think that they're i mean they're they're pretty fascinating what is hilarious to me is that um josh my husband has always really shat all over the hobbit movies and (laughs) but when we've been so when i watch it for the podcast i stop it right like i only watch like 40 minutes and then i move on to like write my notes and stuff and josh is all be like hey why'd you stop it i'm like well i i I don't want to get confused later and he's like Uh why don't you keep it playing Uh Uh uh-huh so i think this journey is really it's going to be good for all of us in, in the long run because it's because it's like yes there are you know issues i think with the way the hobbit movies go but at the same time man like they are just kind of a fun romp in middle earth and, romp. and that's what you gotta look at it as because listen in the book like half those dwarves didn't get a single descriptor you know what i mean like yeah. we're just romp yeah yeah i mean it's like Thorin hangs out, like, you know, Balin and Dwellin kind of stand out in the books, but for the most, and Bomber only stands out because he's literally massive, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, it's not like he has, like, a lot, I don't really know if he has a lot going on for him in the movies yet, either. We haven't necessarily gotten to know everybody, like, Thorin is definitely stand out, but they all have, like, a very different vibe while still feeling dwarfy, like, but they're, you know, we haven't got to know them quite yet, we're still early, on this unexpected journey. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, so with that, if we want to just dive into it. So now in this part of the story, we open in both the book and the movie with Bilbo waking up to find that the dwarves and Gandalf have gone. Now in the book, it says at first that Bilbo is really relieved after all to think that they had all gone without him. But it goes on to say like within the same paragraph. And yet in a way he could not help feeling just a little bit disappointed. and i feel like in the movie they accomplish this with the music um you know when bilbo's kind of walking around his house and looking around and he looks back at the contract the way that the music kind of like swelled it has like a disappointed vibe like almost like oh man what if you had done that Mm -hmm. um and so here's kind of where we diverge like in uh, and of course, like things happen quicker in the movie, so it totally makes sense. But in the movie, they have Bilbo like be like, "Hey, I'm busting out my front door. I've got my contract signed," and he's like, "I'm going on an adventure, right?" Like that is yeah. like probably one of the most iconic gifs uh, that I've ever seen. Where and it's so it's so fun to use. Um, where he's just I'm like, going "On an adventure." Yeah. <laughs> So that is movie Bilbo. I, what I, I do want to say that I think it is um, important to note the difference for the book just because I think that it implies that Bilbo is so polite 
that he can't he doesn't refuse this journey not because he like decides to go or even he hasn't even really decided that he totally isn't committed to it but he's just so polite that he doesn't refuse so and and i'll show you what i mean by that so um he in the book bilbo is sitting down for a second breakfast after he cleaning up with all the all the dwarf mess, like, um, cleaning up everything. Oh my gosh! <laughs> except he did not dust his mantle. So so Gandalf turns up and he's like, uh, "Why didn't you dust your mantle <laughs> after cleaning up breakfast for fifteen dwarves?" Yeah, Gandalf was yeah. like, "Pocket for that, like let him relax." <laughs> <laughs> he's like what about an early start and bilbo was like i was lying what do you mean <laughs> um and so bilbo realizes lying. that the dwarves left him a message to meet them at the green dragon by 11 o'clock um and then this is where gandalf is like that leaves you just 10 minutes you'll have to run and he goes but no time for it but no time for that either off you go and he shoves his keys into gandalf's hand and just runs for it books it yeah <laughs> so the running is accurate i do i do love that when he does get to the dwarves and i think this is his moment where like if he was talking to a hobbit they would have been like oh man you can't go like don't worry about it but he's because he says i'm awfully sorry but i've come without my hat and i have left my pocket handkerchief behind and i haven't got any money he's like there's no way i can go on this um <laughs> And, you know, he's like, and I didn't get your message until, like, 1045, to be precise. And Dwalin's like, yeah. Be precise, says Dwalin. <laughs> and don't worry. Uh, and he's like, you will have to manage without pocket handkerchiefs and a good many other things before you get to the journey's end. And as for a hat, I've got a spare hood and cloak in my luggage. I'm like, helpful. That's sweet. I like that. Um, in the movie, they give the you'll have to manage line to Gandalf. Um, but I am a little sad that they didn't let anybody offer him a cloak and hood because later there's a scene not too long from here where it's pouring rain and everybody's got a hood on except for Bilbo. He's just like in his waistcoat drenched. And I was like, oh, listen, one thing about Peter Jackson and the Hobbit adaptations, any singular moment where he could find to give like some, just a little bit more conflict to the scene, he took it. <laughs> yes. He took it. He said, Bilbo is not getting a hood. Yeah. Bilbo is drenched, okay? He's having a bad time. <laughs> but, and then, because this is switched around, we also lose the part that I think is adorable, is just Gandalf, like, having apparently read Bilbo's mind, shows up with a bunch of handkerchiefs and a pipe and smoking tobacco. Like, key. Key to Bilbo's survival. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know what this hobbit needs? He doesn't need to pack extra clothes or food. This hobbit is going to be so grumpy if I don't get him his pipe and tobacco. Where he's gonna be so grumpy. He's gonna be unbearable. I need to bring these things. Period. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that is like a slight difference between Gandalf and Hobbit is in the book, is just that he's just a little sillier. You know what I mean? Like he's just like Huzzah! And he, he's a little more, like, he just kind of dips in and out whenever it suits him. So, um, so you know, in, in the book, obviously, like, it's it's called Roast Metten because of the troll scene. And, however, in the movie, we 
we have a little bit extra stuff before we get to our trolls. Um, and a lot of that comes from the appendices of Lord of the Rings, which I was, when I was rereading that, I was getting really excited because I just think it's like really interesting dwarf lore that does, you know, we just don't talk about it that much in the world of Tolkien stuff. And it's so good. I'm like, this could be a movie. Like what there's like a bunch of stuff in the appendices about this particular time in dwarf history. So there is a scene where we see, like, Thiele and Keely and some of the other dwarves, like, teasing Bilbo about orcs, you know, and Thorin chastises them and is, you know, Balin goes on to explain that, you know, Thorin's past experience with orcs have made him, you know, take orcs very seriously. And he goes on to kind of explain a little bit about the war of the dwarves and the orcs. Specifically in the movie, Balin says that Thror, a.k.a. Thorin's grandpa, um, had tried to reclaim Moria, a.k.a. Casa Doom, uh, but their enemy had got there first. The movie then immediately shows, like, a large battle between the orcs and the dwarves. Like, a ton of them. There's everywhere. They're crawling all over the Misty Mountains. <laughs> and I have to admit that when I first watched this, I was like, okay, this seems like blown way out of proportion here like what is this why is it why is the scale so epic but after rereading the appendices i was like all right peter like yeah that battle would have been pretty big and however i think that i mean you know the cause of the war is really oversimplified in the movie and a lot of context is missing which is um, what I kind of want to talk about here because I just found it so interesting. And for reference, this is from Appendix A under Durin's Folk. Um, so, you know, we've kind of given, we've given an explanation about smog and how they're not an Erebor anymore. But then there's, clearly there's been a lot of time in between about like, so this happened in between after um, smog had taken Erebor and, you know, obviously um, in everyone's past, uh, but relatively recent past so we find out that thror had given his ring of power one of the seven given to the dwarf lords to thrain before setting off to moria and um and i think so that's something important to just hold on to for for later um but he sets off to moria and it reads he was a little crazed perhaps with age and misfortune and long brooding on the splendor of moria in his forefathers days or the ring it may be was turning to evil now that its master was awake driving him to follow and destroy you know driving to what was it? i wrote it down wrong Dang it, Andy. <laughs> How dare you not have every word of Tolkien's legendary? Um, where's our grandpa? Let's see. We've got to folly and destruction. It's always, of course, it's folly. That's like one of Tolkien's favorite words. Uh, it's like, just assume that it's folly. Um, so driving him. So maybe it was him just being a crazy old man. Maybe the ring uh was making him think that moria was reclaimable and because you know as if just in general we know that like sauron is doing things but nobody's really worried about that quite yet in this point of the story um i mean gandalf is but we'll get to that later <laughs> um so he you know decides to go to moria with uh only his friend uh nar nair 
I don't know how to say dwarf names. Nar. It's N-A-R. It's got an accent, but I don't really know what Tolkien means by that accent. Um, so he goes, and we notice that the, the gates are weirdly already open. And, and this is on the other side of the Misty Mountains, you know, like, if we remember the Fellowship... You know, it's not the gates of Moria that we enter with the Watcher in the Water. It's on the other side that he enters through. Um, and so Nar stays back while Thorin goes, or Thror goes in, but he never makes it out. Um, he, and he, this is where we first meet Azog, who has killed Thror and branded his face. He's, like, chopped off his head and put his own, he put Azog on his face and runes so that Nar could read it. And... So Nar is basically used as like he's you know Azog is like go back to people tell them what is up like get out of here, uh, but and so he brings this news back to Thrain, but not before he sees the orc hack Thor's body to pieces. And then I wrote in my notes, Tolkien, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. It gets so gnarly in the appendices, you guys. So, I mean, I get why Peter didn't necessarily show that but at the same time like the idea of azog wanting to end the line of durin isn't necessarily true it's more like thor tried to show up azog is chilling and he doesn't want anybody else to be there you know what i mean like it's orc shit now it's no dwarfs um and so then we find out in the appendices that it took like three years but durin's folk you know we've got the whole line of Durin here, and that's like our friends from Erewhon. They gathered all their hosts, and they were joined by great forces sent from the houses of other fathers. For this dishonor to the heir of the eldest of their race filled them with wrath. So, you know, there's also a little bit in there about how um, Durin, the Deathless, is he. You know, that's why they're called Durin's folk. They're descended from Durin, who lived a really long time. He was not, in fact, Deathless, but he did live longer than most dwarves and they also have um a belief about how people are only renamed durin if they're believed to be like a reincarnation of durin the deathless so you know you in the appendices there's also a lovely breakout of durin's line you know you see that name durin appear a few times um but here it's really like thor thrain and thorin that are like main leaders at the time um and so they're all upset. This battle becomes so big because literally, like, from all corners of Middle-earth, all the dwarves come together to kind of avenge uh, Thror's death. And that's why this battle gets so out of hand. And, and it's a war, really, a war between the orcs and the dwarves, which implies that it's much longer than one fight, right? Um, and so that is really the cause of this battle that is suddenly you know that Balin is just describing to Bilbo which I thought was really interesting um just thinking about how there was so much going on there you know they're wandering they you know we hear a little bit about the ring that you know is should have been passed down to Thorne but it's not doesn't make it (laughs) um and I know we'll hear more about that later as well but you know, we just get a little bit more about what is going on with um, Durin's folk and the other dwarves. And I also think it's important that, you know, you would think that after that, maybe so like 
Thrain, for example, he wants to try to reclaim Kaza Doom after winning, even though it is heavy, heavy losses. It's like less than half of them are survived this, um, even though they technically won. And like the rest of the crew, you know, the rest of the families of dwarves are like, mm, no, we're gonna go. And then finally someone says to Thrain, like, hey, like, we will follow you to whatever, but we are not trying to take back cause of doom like you still haven't even considered the whole durance bane situation <laughs> so we're not gonna do it so you know again that's how you get to where we are in this story where you know the dwarves aren't really united they're all kind of doing their own thing in various mountain ranges you know um and this is why thorin has like just a small company of folks because as you can kind of see like they're not really ones to like unite under one banner to overtake something that's kind of horribly scary. Durin's right. Bane being one of them, Smog being another. <laughs> right, not like the finest warriors in the land. Like. Yeah, they're like, you know, we'll do what we have to, but and I and I think, yeah, and it's like, and I think that the avenging Thoror was pretty rare, you know, and in, in a pretty much like a one-time deal, you know. <laughs> Um, but such a, such a cool, interesting bit of history. And I kind of wish that Balin had thrown in a line to kind of give some context to Thror, because that is, I mean, we see, you know, Bilbo had told us about Thror and Thrain. Why not throw another name out there instead of saying this whole, like, trying to wipe out the line of Doran? I mean, it's like, that's just, that's just too much of a commitment, I think, to give to an orc personally <laughs> but hey and that's like and it's an interesting nod to like tolkien's uh real loyalty to the idea of like genealogy and bloodline which mm. is like pervasive through his books but it's also like a wild thing to throw at bilbo bill was just like what <laughs> can i can i have a little bit more information and they're like absolutely not you get to know the stakes and the drama with no context yeah. i love that <laughs> Love that choice. Yes, definitely a choice for sure. <laughs> um, one other thing that I wanted to point out is that the appendices gives a clear cause of death for Azog. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the appendices version, uh, we've got Azog killing Nain, who uh is you know one of our real ones here and but after he kills him he realizes that uh, azog's army like his orc army isn't actually winning anymore and he tries to retreat and that's when dane ironfoot uh Nain's son shows up and he with his red axe very specifically red uh because fashion and <laughs> you just you cosplayers. Look. they just threw that information in just for the cosplayers yes. red axe everybody exactly <laughs> get a repeat if you're being dane is a red axe um and i love it i mean essentially what happens is that he's he kills azog chops off his head um and that is it Azog done they have won it's very clear cut right and and I and I love Dane I love that it goes on to be like you know Dane goes on to do a lot of cool things um, and doesn't die until the war of the ring but and this was kind of like his per first big moment um because he was pretty young here but in the movies um Thorin 
clearly thinks Azog is dead, but they clearly leave it open. And, like, they have orcs dragging him back in the flashback. He's only lost an arm. Um, and, and we'll see why uh, Peter does this soon. Um, at the very end of this section of movie, we see some orcs on wargs. Um, I haven't seen Azog yet, but I know he's 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 a common. Uh, but I did just want to point out that book version, he's quite dead. What I'm interested in is like, because I know a lot of people had beef with the Azog thing, and I'm able I'm able to just sort of turn my brain off and vibe. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. But what's always been interesting to me is that it seems out of character for Thorin to mm-hmm. assume that such a not necessarily lethal wound would like yeah. it seems weird that he would just be like gee golly i sure got him and like did it he's such a relentless person like it, in the yeah. movies he's established as this really relentless being who will go for what he wants and he was very thorough and you know so yeah. it seems weird to me that he would just kind of accept that yeah and be at peace with that. Uh, but that's truly my biggest gripe. Like, more than bringing back Azog, that seems, like, very out of character to me. But. Yeah. I would agree with that. You know. Yeah. I, it's like, uh, Thorin, you're so... I don't know. Maybe it just... He wanted to... Because later we also see, you know, Thorin, I think he's got, like, probably some kind of own personal narrative in his head about how things are. Right. Like, he's a very delusional. We love our delusional king. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, in the beginning, that's also something with the whole, like, dwarves reclaiming their homeland narrative. I'm like, this is about money, okay? Like, that's really what this is, but... You know, he's got hot, you know, he kind of like puts a little spin on it, a little PR spin about how to make this uh, a little bit more palatable for people. Um, and so maybe that's similar. Like, he's like, yes, I avenged, you know, my grandpa and my dad and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Maybe. maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you really did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. It's cool. I just thought that was interesting. Interesting choice. Interesting. A bold choice. A yeah. bold choice. Yeah. <laughs> just, just some differences. We're just pointing them out here. You know, whether they work for you, let us know. Uh. <laughs> Journalism. We're, yeah. we're doing <laughs> objective work. And, you know, there is another nugget in here where um, we see. Like, Bilbo asks about the other wizards, and I think it's adorable, A, that, like, they've got Gandalf being like, I've quite forgotten their names about our two blue wizards. Um, But we also get the appearance of Radagast, and I think he is played so wonderfully by Sylvester McCoy. Thank you. People have beef with Radagast, and I love him. Bird poop and all. Yeah, bird poop and all. Like, he freaking would. You know what I mean? He would. (laughs) He would. And it's like, if they're gonna, you know, they cut uh, him out of Lord of the Rings. And I honestly love that they gave him a part in the movies, because 
they made the decision to include the white council stuff and i think it only makes sense to have radagast be a part of that and so like we've gotten a little taste of it with his little hedgehog friend and (laughs) i made a joke to josh i was like do you think i should point out that like a hedgehog named sebastian is probably not canonical (laughs) but i cannot hear it i I refuse to hear it (laughs) Like, I, don't know. I just don't know if Sebastian would be his name, but that's that's cool. We love him. He's adorable. Um, and I, but I do love. I just, I mean, I don't know. I think I could watch a Sylvester McCoy scene, whatever he's doing. Like, Radagast is wonderful, and he provides the whimsy that The Hobbit requires. Yeah, yeah. like he's very like. I think Peter Jackson had a really interesting like job at hand of making the intentionally whimsical hobbit fit in with the like with with the extremely serious realistic you know mm-hmm. quote unquote framework of his trilogy of like Jackson's own trilogy i think i think he he worked really hard to walk that line even with like the the designs of all yeah. of Thorne's company. Like, I, I think he was he was fighting for his life to make yeah. both worlds work. And sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But like, I, I respect the amount of effort he put in to try and make both things synthesize. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, you see that very intentional effort. And I think sometimes it's like, well, should we have just recognized that The Hobbit is a very different tone and, like, just gone full forward that way? Like, do we really need to make them mesh? But at the same time, I really, I'm, when I found out that they were going to be three Hobbit movies and that they were going to include White Council and like Necromancer stuff, I was like, no, that's great though. Like, I think that they should, I think they should give people that context that just like, while The Hobbit should ultimately be, you know, about Bilbo and his um, personal journey at the same, with like, being intermeshed with all this dwarf stuff i think at the same time like that's very important context to have for like the state of middle earth you know where it's like most people are kind of like oblivious to maybe some of the evil or like the changes happening but then you've got this very concerted effort by like gandalf and the white council uh, you know and um and it's also very interesting to me when you see interviews with, uh, I know we haven't gotten there, but like, as a, <laughs> I think y'all, if you haven't listened to me of Lord of the Rings and you're just starting here, I'm, I'm a huge Christopher Lee girl. Like I am obsessed with yeah. him. With and, it's, yeah. it's, and it's so interesting to, when he talks about like really trying to give this version of Saruman before he turns totally evil, yeah. you know? And uh, I think that's cool. I think that's great. And um, yeah, I was all for it. You know, it's just like, there are certain things where I'm like, well, maybe that was a little too much. But overall, like, it's whatever. It's cool. It's I'm cool. really it's cool. curious about how all the, because yeah, I totally agree. I think the White Council stuff is really necessary context. And um, I'm curious about how it read to people with no knowledge of the legendarium like if those movies are your first entry into tolkien's world does mm. that added context make sense and i have no access to that because i can't wipe my brain and watch them for the first time I know. Um, I'm, so, I'm so curious if that's helpful to first-time viewers i don't know yeah that's that a great extended question. edition stuff or is that no it's yeah, in the it's theatrical too okay. it's a theatrical kind. probably less 
probably a little bit less, but definitely still there, I would say. Because like, yeah. like the big battle um, at Dol Guldur, you know, I think it's all there. Yeah, definitely Gandalf, Galadriel, Saruman stuff is there. Like, the, I know for sure that they all have that little conversation and there's like a scene um, at some point with Rivendell. Yeah, so I know that it's there. I don't quite remember exactly like where it diverges but the people on twitter told me to watch the extended edition so that's what i've been doing <laughs> the people on twitter that's what, i did a poll i did a poll and that was what won <laughs> maybe i should have done it on instagram too but that's all right <laughs> i um, ride or die for the extended so i love that yeah really. and, and that's like i can't um what's interesting about the difference between my experience with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, right, is that with Lord of the Rings, I've pretty much only watched the extended edition for the past 20 years, right? And with The Hobbit, I just haven't seen them enough to really pinpoint the difference. Um, like, I think I rewatched them a couple years ago, but I don't think I did the extended. Because I, I was like, that's a lot to ask of me at this point. <laughs> for four years. <laughs> So this time we're doing extended cut. So um, I can't exactly say. I know sometimes you can kind of tell as far as like when the pacing will change sometimes, but not always, you know, so. Absolutely. So there's that. Not us. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody knows, but it ain't me. Uh, (laughs) But... Um, you know, so that's, you know, we just get a little glimpse of Radagast and his furry friends and his Raskerville rabbits. Yes, I, th- I think the <laughs> rabbits are cool. Um, and we get our first kind of glimpse of the spiders. You know, we just kind of see their booties moving off in the distance after they climb all over his house. Um, but I really love it when his face is like, it's not like it's witchcraft. And he's like, oh, but it is. <laughs> oh the drama the literal (laughs) i love him i think he's so great and it's like i think that's one thing that's like so cool about middle earth is like these we don't have that many wizards you know so i'm glad that we threw another one into the mix for the hobbit like i mean of course saruman will show up but like radagast gets his time to shine and i appreciate it i appreciate it he deserves. He really he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like even Gandalf shits on him a little bit. So it's kind of like, give him his moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's Radagast. I'm excited to see more of him. I know that he meets up with our heroes soon. But, you know, this part in the book, it's really all about the trolls. So I think it's time that we get to the trolls. Our uh, boy. <laughs> Yes. What do we got? Bert, Tom, and William? William, Bert, and Tom. Yes. Legends. Legends. And Bert has a last name, too. Bert Huggins. You can call his full name at some point. (laughs) I wonder if they're related. I don't know. I think Huggins is a pretty adorable name for a troll. Yeah. He was maybe he wasn't always bad. Who knows? I and I also appreciate that in the books, like William is very much like I don't feel like eating these guys or, or Bilbo at least. And you know, but his friends are like very ravenous. Like, come on, 
Give Bilbo a break. This is his first attempt at burglary. Leave him alone. Right. Because Bilbo had no adjustment time. Like, he no. was just thrown on the deep end. Yes. Um, they were like, the universe was like, sink or swim. Trial <laughs> <Trial> by fire. Poor <laughs> oh, Bilbo. Because it's like, at this point in the book, not a lot. You know, it's been pretty okay going until we get to this, like, torrential downpour, right? And they are hungry and they are grumpy and you know they lost a bunch of their food because one of the ponies got scared and ran into the river um and so they see this light in the distance and they're like well we're gonna go investigate it but actually we're gonna make Bilbo go investigate it (laughs) and they're like what hoot like an owl or something if you know you get into trouble and Bilbo's like I actually have no idea how to do that but okay Um, yeah no they tell him to hoot Twice like a barn owl and once like a screech owl. And Bilbo was like, I can't hoot like any owl. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, if this was going to be our signaling system, could somebody have mentioned it previous to this? Like, I love it. I will also say, like, in the movies, the actors delivered that, like, magnificently. Um, I enjoyed... I enjoyed Killy and Philly in the movies, for sure. That, like, that makes yeah. me laugh every time. That whole bit, excellent. Everybody. I know, I think... Yeah, it's they're pretty cute, and you know they're they're we know that they're the youngest, but really in the book it's they're all kind of like old men with beards. You know what I mean? They've got different colored hoods, but in the movie they're really like no, these are younger guys. They're silly gooses, and they're gonna get Bilbo into some trouble here. So in the movie, like Feely and Killy are supposed to be watching the ponies, and they have um, not done a great job. So the the trolls have walked off with most of the ponies. Um, And so a little different setting. You know, it's not raining. Everything's, like, the weather's fine. That's not really an issue. Um, And also, like, I guess the trees must be tight enough because once they are in that whole troll scene, like, the talk of rain is, like, pretty much over. Even though that was, like, the whole reason that they wanted to go to this fire. Um, But we've forgotten about the weather at this point. Um, and so Bilbo in both situations kind of thrust forward. And, um, so in the movie, Bilbo was really, I appreciate movie Bilbo for trying to get those ponies back. Like that was his focus. Like how do I get the ponies escape? Um, kind of hate that he has used like a tissue. Um, (laughs) that is objectively speaking nasty <laughs> nasty as hell for no i wasn't reason. prepared for it you know <laughs> right <laughs> i was like wait I, what? I don't think bilbo was either <laughs> and then he just has to be covered in snot for the rest of the scene yes. and and i am like it's in a post-covid world absolutely so <laughs> right like we're traumatized like we're fully having trauma responses to this <laughs> i couldn't deal with it i was like Oh, no, Bilbo. But the way he gets caught in the book, also a little more whimsical, we've got um, him reaching into one of their pockets. I don't really remember who, but the basically the wallet or his purse that's in his pocket is like, hey, who are you? Um, I understand why they didn't do that in the movie, but... That would have been very confusing. And <laughs> yeah, probably really. another creature to introduce. So. Yeah, not a lot of, like inanimate objects speaking in most of Tolkien. So, like, just the one wallet 
it's got the defense. It's a little Harry Potter, a little bit. Or was uh, there something in the wallet, or was it the wallet itself? No, it's definitely it's the wallet. Oh, yeah, okay. um, I think it was William's wallet. Yeah, um, I think he straight up would just try just try to get, take the whole wallet, mm-hmm. even though the, it was like as big as he was. And I'm like, Bilbo, yeah. what are we thinking? What is our thought? He was like, I can't go back empty-handed. <laughs> he was like, he's yeah. like, no. And this is the part that I think is like missing from the movies is like his desire to kind of live up to Gandalf's recommendation and like the tookishness of Bilbo. Like he's still very bagginsy, I think, at this point as far as like kind of being grumpy and a little bit more like you know i don't want to be doing this um but his his desire to try to prove himself to these dwarves is very strong and that is why he's like well and and the way tolkien like lays it out is like well you know like a very skilled burglar would have done x y and z um but bilbo thought he would have the best shot at just like grabbing the purse and getting out of there and he's like what you know probably should have just uh, gone back to the dwarves and been like, hey, there's three trolls. Of course, in the movie, we know that there's trolls. Like, Bilbo just has to figure out how to get the ponies. And so he gets uh, snitzled on, and then the dwarves come in to all rescue him at once, and we have, like, a big swell of music, and it's kind of, like, (laughs) kind of of epic, and I'm like, no, this is too silly for that. (laughs) I'm on board. Here's the thing. Howard Shore went so hard on, because we already knew what he could bring, okay? And he brought it again. He brought it again. And so every time I hear the Thorn Oakenshield theme, I'm like, I don't care if he's picking roses in a field, okay? I am on board. This is the most epic moment of all time. I'm here. (laughs) I'm so easy to please. If Howard Shore has the soundtrack, I'm on board. Yeah. I mean, that's that's totally valid. Um, but, so yeah so they all come in to rescue bilbo um in the book it's more like of course it's a little different right because they're expecting like tim to hoot like a fucking owl uh and they're like oh i haven't heard from him in a bit like and then they one by one like sneak in and then the trolls realize like oh my gosh there's hot there's you know not what is it that bilbo says he's a not only that he's a Burra Hobbit, but there is um, lots and lots of him and none at all. Like, oh yeah, yes, I've got tons of friends, right. actually. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then that's when the, you know, in the book, the trolls are like, oh, I get it. Not only one Burra Hobbit, but a bunch of dwarves. And so then they like hang out in the shadows and like put them in sacks as they enter the clearing. But Thorin is the one in the book that is like, little bit wise to their game and like fights them a little bit but still everyone gets captured um and this is the point where it's kind of but bilbo doesn't get captured and it's just he's just kind of like they forgot about him a little bit and he's like what do i do um so and i think like a key difference here and you know honestly like i'm kind of glad they gave us to bilbo in the movie is that in the book we basically hear voices that sound like Bert, Tom, and Williams. That yeah, now we get into the nitty gritty and the big yeah. difference. Yeah. So like they, we hear um, the, these voices, and we, as a reader, just kind of assume that it must be one of the 
the trolls talking to each other, right? And um, but it starts to say like a voice like Tom's, a voice like Williams, and so we're kind of like, what is going on here? So we're, they're arguing over how to best cook these dwarves <laughs> and the best pep preparations they can make, you know. And they're like, hey, we need to figure this out because the sun's gonna come up and then it's game over. Um, but they're just kind of slow and a little bit stupid so they like don't they just keep arguing about it because somebody keeps somebody keeps stirring the pot and but in the movie they bilbo is the one who confuses the trolls and about how you should properly cook a dwarf um we also get some silly lines about how they're infested and you know, right. yeah. <laughs> you've got some like I'm not clever enough to play along with the bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the I just left Thor like infested. Oh, I'm so infested. <laughs> <laughs> I got worms the size of my arms, like stuff like that. That's fun, you know. Oh, uh, right. but- it was worms in their tubes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. This, this is science at its finest. Y'all understand? This is brilliant work. <laughs> So it's like, you know, Bilbo is the one that's kind of like messing with them in that. Uh, and he sees Gandalf out of the corner of his eye. In the book, we do not know that it is actually Gandalf that who's shown up. Um, but he does. And w- what is funny that happens is that like in one of the trolls voices, Gandalf says, you know, and let the dawn take you all or whatever um, and turn you to stone. But in the movie, I think it, it it does sound better to have Gandalf just use his voice. Like, come on. I have this big, scary, voice. deep voice. That yeah, it's Ian McKellen! Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tolkien failed to consider Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huge mistake. <laughs> I love that. So I think that definitely works, you know, and I and I am glad that they gave that to Bilbo because like later we're gonna see them take I'm gonna say moments away from Bilbo rather than adding, so mm. I'm glad mm. they gave him this, you know? <laughs> Me and Kelly both just went, mm. We'll get there. I'm not I'm not trying to jump ahead, you know, but <laughs> If you know, you know. Um, so I'm really like, again, like with Lord of the Rings, I'm not assuming that anybody is just watching these for the first time if you're listening to this. You know what I mean? Like, we did not do that with Lord of the Rings, but I try to keep it within the bounds of the chapter. Mostly. Most. 100%. You're professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So that's the end of the trolls. And love them i love that they get a little moment in lord of the rings too with you know sam being like hey there they are and so and i really do think that peter tried to get them in the same like hunched over positions as they are in fellowship so so that was nice so i was like i see yeah i love that i see you doing that um and so then we get to you know gandalf is like there's no way that they just like showed up here. Uh, like where where do they hide? You know, during the daytime. So we get the troll horde, which I think is great. We don't get like Gandalf doing like they do bury some of the treasure that they find, and it's it's cute. You know, making a long term deposit. <laughs> That's cute line. Um, we don't get Gandalf doing spells over it, which I kind of wanted to see Loki. 
like they bury it and do spells over that part of the ground but i'm torn because i almost liked because i feel like i don't know gandalf is is so sparing Mm -hmm. with his magic like he's so he's so low-key about it you know what i mean secretive about it so i kind of like that he's like i'm not i'm not wasting my magic on (laughs) y'all yeah nonsense (laughs) that's fair (laughs) that's fair that's fair and i think it's funny because this ends up being more like a lot of the gold that bilbo lives off of later like because he actually can't carry right what he's gonna get later you know um so we've got this is the most important thing they find there is it absolutely not callie you reading my mind all the time (laughs) so here is where we've got we've got some swords we've got some swordy boys uh that show up and we later will find out that this is glamdring orcris and sting sting doesn't have his name yet but he will um what i thought was crazy is that in the movie gandalf just straight up is like these were forged in gondolin (laughs) just drop that in Peter Jackson's just like, all right, this is this is a softball. I'm gonna launch it at full velocity. Literally and more. You have most of y'all will have no access to this information, but take it anyway. I love it. Yeah, Yeah. because in the in the book, you know, Gandalf is just kind of like these were not forged by men. These are definitely not made by trolls. Um, but you know, when we find someone to read the runes, then we'll figure it out. I'm like, oh, Gandalf, you don't want to read them? You're not gonna read those runes? Like, pretty dumb. Like, we know you can read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gandalf in this is he's very like. Um, He's just a silly goose. Truly. He's just a little guy. Yeah. He's just a little guy running around being yeah. mischievous. <laughs> I mean, he's like, I'm going to send this hobbit on an adventure just because I feel like it. He's, he gives me good vibes. I'm going to throw him into that. And like the whole, like, I'm, and they do keep the, you know, like, where the hell were you? And he was like, I was looking ahead. And he's like, what brought you back? I'm looking behind. I mean, I love that they kept that. It's like such, such good tolkienian lines you know they deserve to stay um a line that i take issue with here is and when gandalf is talking to bilbo he's like here take this sword it glows blue it's very neat and bilbo's like i've never used a sword in my life i can't do and (laughs) and then at, at some point you know at the end of that conversation gandalf is like true courage is not about when to take a life but when to spare one. And it's like, all right, like, sure. This is like, it sounds very nice. It's very cute. Um, and it's, it's like foreshadowing or whatever. However, I do not like that this implies that Gandalf has anything to do with the decision that Bilbo makes later with Gollum. Yeah. Because that, because later, you know, in Fellowship, Bill Gandalf is very like clear to Frodo about Bilbo. He's like, no, the reason the ring doesn't work on you or work on Bilbo the way that you 
you know, would expect it to is because he came to it with pity and mercy in his heart. You know what I mean? This isn't something that like Gandalf planted there for him. This isn't an idea that Gandalf like gave to Bilbo. That is just Bilbo being his most Bilbo-y self at that moment when he spares Gollum's life. So it's like, Yeah, it's such a shame, too, because, like, Martin Freeman delivered, I think, a beautiful performance of Bilbo. Like, watching him work every time. Like, it's, like, disgusting how good he is. (laughs) And and I remember that scene so vividly when, like, he's in, you know, the Wraith realm because he has the ring on and he's he's ready to smite. Sorry, guys, we're jumping ahead. We're jumping ahead! Okay, anyways, but that scene is like so imprinted in my brain and like Martin's face, like like the trans like you see wordlessly the entire journey he goes through. And I think he delivered that so beautifully that I'm like, I I completely agree. I do wish that like we had trust we we'd been able to just trust the actor to do what needed to be done in that moment rather than like spoon feed the audience in that way. Yeah. I don't I it wasn't needed. Like Bilbo is you know, he's always going to be Bilbo. Like, he doesn't... That's the thing, is that, like, when... he Like, sure, he has Gandalf's influence as far as, like, getting his foot, like, literally out the door. And he has Gandalf for, um, you know, to, like, save him in moments where he needs it. But ultimately, like, this story is Bilbo kind of taking a leadership role in his own life. And that is also part and parcel of taking the making that pivotal decision to not hurt Gollum at the end because it is so like seeing Gollum like when you have the upper hand and you're facing Gollum it's just sad you know like obviously when you're both like in the grips you know like we've seen Gollum fight you know what I mean and it's like it's, it's he's scary but at the same time like when you are holding all the cards it's like it's it's hard to not feel bad for him. So, um, and I think it's so key to like not only Bilbo's growth, but also like just how the world works. That it's I I do like the line is cute or whatever, and I'm sure it's fun to like make little videos with it, but like sound clips or whatever. But at the end of the day, I, I would have left that one at home if I had to pick one thing out of this. That <laughs> That's was, a good thing. I like yeah. that. That's, that's a lovely assessment. I completely agree. So, not where genius is. You know, we're, we're smart, but we're silly. <laughs> like Gandalf. Yeah. Or basically Gandalf. I mean, it's the only conclusion to draw, I fear. I, I, I think that's correct. <laughs> um, but really, that's like all the notes that I had for today. Does anybody have anything else that we really want to talk about with roast mutton or like the chapter itself or the, the parts of the movie? So, you know, the movie ends with, um, we're seeing, we see some orcs and I just like stopped it. I was like, no, no, they're like out of the troll horde now. Like we're not getting into that yet. Um, so, so that's pretty much where we end. And, you know, we have, a short rest coming up next. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure that means Rivendell. And, um, but, you know, in between Bilbo waking up in the Shire to, you know, getting some gold berry. Yeah. 
Anything yeah. that we missed? No, but I actually did kind of want to circle back to like that initial difference of like Bilbo's like hyper politeness in the book versus the iconic, I'm going on an adventure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it has so much to do with, I, see, I'm just exposing myself as like a Martin Freeman stan right now, I but okay. I think it has so much to do with like, Martin's take on the character were like I love that he I think managed to capture the fastidiousness mm-hmm. uh, of Bilbo and that like almost painful Hobbit apology you know yeah um, still give him a real spunk and a real like latent backbone I think movie Bilbo is a bit more tookish mm. um from the outset um than 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 book Bilbo is, and so and that gives book Bilbo more of an arc. But I think like just in terms of like who to watch and like what character you're watching, mm-hmm. um, it it also made him read as like a little bit impulsive as well, which was interesting and new. And I I really liked that. I was like, oh, like this is he's following this impulse. It's not a well thought out. And it's like, he's not being arm wrestled in the same way that he was by Gandalf in the book. Mm. But so there's other side of him, this like childlike thoughtless gut reaction that he's following. Um, And there's so much joy in it, which is because like you see, like you see him like content in the beginning and you see him quiet and you see him still when he's running with the little contract, you see him like alive. Yeah. and so I really, really love that like minute character change, and that's that's my. That's a really interesting point, especially when we're talking about like Peter trying to create this like cohesiveness between, you know, his lab and Lord of the Rings. And who's the only other Toque that we really know? Peregrine, our boy. Yes, <laughs> and who is the most impulsive of our four main hobbits? It's Peter. <laughs> You know, so you kind of see him drawing, maybe not so much on what Tolkien actually, like, spelled out for us, but on the the vibes and, like, the way that Billy Boyd was able to bring that Tookishness to the character and, you know, what he knows his audience is most likely familiar with, you know? Because I think that he really leaned into that in the movie as far as, like, you know, whereas... Um, it's not so much like throwing a rock down the well, but he like squeezes the hand of that dead orc. And then that's what causes it to fall. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a little, it's like similar, but even almost even more like impulsive, you know? So, which, you know, honestly like leads to great results for Pippin in the end. But um, yeah. I know, sometimes it. intrusive thoughts win for a reason. And yeah. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. <laughs> King of intrusive thoughts, Pippin. Yeah. What about y'all? Any last vibes? Any last vibes? For me, the my favorite quote happened during this section of the movie, and I feel like it does sum up this conversation well. And it's "Home is behind, the world is ahead," Mm. and I just feel like now we're really in it, like. Home is behind. We're in. We're having the trolls moment. It, the world is ahead. Like all the adventure is is just about to start. 
more wink winks to Pippin in, in Lord of the Rings in the yeah. movies. <laughs> and considering uh, who came back to sing the final end credit song, I fear that Pippin is actually the unsung hero of the Hobbit trilogy. Nobody's talking about this. Oh my god! Nobody's talking about this. Oh my god! You're <laughs> oh. <laughs> correct. <laughs> We're literally that meme with like the things on the board. Like, yeah, We're like with all those strings. <laughs> it's always funny meme. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, amazing. So, what can we conclude from this? We are basically Gandalf. Pippin is the unsung hero of the Hobbit trilogy, and they probably could have left out that one line from this part of the movie. For Peter, if you're watching, that's our feedback. Yeah, hope it's you just it's, it's a small <laughs> definitely <cut>. listening. Yeah, <laughs> maybe someday, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the token, at least like on the internet, we're all so connected. You know what I mean? Like we, like there's people that I at the beginning of this year or no it is the beginning of 2022 uh the beginning like a year ago i'll say like i didn't know i would just watch people's videos you know what i mean and now it's like i can message almost all of these people which is wild so yeah it's really beautiful it's like and that's how i feel and you know i feel like the hobbit conversation is tangential almost to the rings of power conversation because it's like at the end of the day it's brought so many people together like i think of the fandom spaces i occupied yes because of the Hobbit movies and i think of like i met y'all this year because of rings of power straight up yeah. um and i think like ultimately as long as the thing is made with a love for tolkien like only oh there's only a net positive that will come out of it and that's how that's what my heart says yeah i my heart would echo that <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing is that it's like i that's another thing that like i cannot shit on these movies the way that like previous past life andy probably wanted to you know what i mean like i definitely have hate watched them one time in a hotel room with anna <laughs> And I was like, here's why that's wrong. Here's why you could never, uh, like, how dare you, Thranduil? But then, like, um, you know, <laughs> but now it's kind of like, I had, like, if it has brought you to Middle Earth and it has made you love this world and it has, you know, whether it's brought you to the books or not, like, if, this, you know, I think that it's sharing this uh, kind of, cultural touchstone in a lot of ways is really magical and in you know more ways than Tolkien probably could have imagined um and I think that in if we really want to honor his legacy I think that's it it's like the friendship the fellowship that we gain via meeting through these various mediums you know what I mean and so like I think that that has been one of the best things to come out of like any adaptation is that that's we're able to like enjoy these things, pick them apart if you want to, but you know, like if just coming at it from like a common space and like enjoying this um, other world together, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Super well said. That was beautiful. That was was crazy. In the podcast. (laughs) Pack it up. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think we're in such a I feel like we have these moments of like seriousness and then we're just immediately like giggle boxes afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because me and Callie were shook. We were like, damn. Oh man. Andy, you gave a great synopsis today. That was awesome. Like, thank you for this episode and um, just like your whole your whole thing about the appendices and like that was that was awesome. You did a great job. Thank you yeah. so much. That was no, because I was like I was like, oh, we're going page by page. We're oh getting yeah, to it, the people are gonna learn. Yes, <laughs> I love that. In my heart, I'm a teacher. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Tolkien would have loved that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is a literary analysis. We yeah. love go for it. I actually, uh, yeah, I'm just nodding. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I kind of snap. What can I say? <laughs> I'm having a good time, you know. <laughs> this is just my brain. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that's pretty much it. So I think um, I hope that this means that next time we're gonna trawl a lally down in the valley. Um, Absolutely. I think, I think that's I say, what's I'm just gonna get some trees. Yeah. That's what I feel like yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. so I'm still, I'm still waiting for the adaptation that gives us singing tree slinging elves still waiting what yeah i know it's like he, we started off on a high note of like we incorporated two songs with the dwarves and then where'd my where'd my troll alley go <laughs> like <laughs> i think this is one of the like I don't know why, but when I think about The Hobbit, that is the one of the first songs that, like, in my baby brain, like, when I was reading these as a kid, like, that stuck out to me just because I was like, oh, would these elves be singing? They're like, you know, what are you seeking? Like, I, I don't know, something about that weird-ass rhyme, like, stuck out to me in a way that, like, like, I know that um, we've been able to make, uh, you know, the far over the misty mountains cold like super iconic and it's very catchy and it's a great song you hear it all over the tiktoks now but um for me it was it was tra la la lally all right like it was the rivendell elves that was that was the first time where i was like oh oh something's different about this you know um i love that you're like misty mountains could never i fear Uh, (laughs) this is a real banger because that was because that was the moment where like i know we're getting ahead of ourselves but because that was the moment where i was like where the dwarves were very like i mean they're dead set you know and then and they had their silly moment with like cracking the plates and like you know the whole joke was that they weren't actually cracking the plates but like the inherent joy of the elves in the hobbit i think it's such a different vibe from the elves that we see later and mm-hmm. but I, I i still think it tracks at the same time with the elves that we know you know what i mean that's before they really start like you know fading in earnest and i almost wish we gotten that that before snapshot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but no we got we got emo hot uh emo hot dad uh and that's and that's the best we're gonna get i feel best i can do right he was like i gave him 
dual swords that look really cool. What do you, yeah. what else do you want from me? <laughs> like, sure. That's all that I know. That's all I can give you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we'll, we'll dive deep into that one next time. But for today, I just want to say like, thank you so much, Anna Marie, for being here. I love you a lot. And so I'm so glad you were finally able to join us. And I'm sure I'm going to, like, try to bring you back whenever, uh, you know, at some point, but whenever oh, you yeah. want. But I'm put that out there now. Like, please, this was so fun. This um, is so much fun. I will absolutely come back whenever y'all need. I, awesome. uh, I will be starting my official annual um, all six movies plus appendices rewatch, like, tomorrow. Ooh, so, nice. Uh, Enjoy. Yeah, that time of year. Fun. Yeah. A year. Uh, so yeah, thank y'all for having me on. Um, I'm obsessed with both of you. Uh, oh. Y'all are legends. And of course, Callie, thank you so much for always being my amazing oh. co-host. I couldn't do it without you. <laughs>